And welcome to the League, exploring the League of Legends lore from A to Z. My name is Rebecca. And I'm John. And I'm Mark. And today we're talking about the weapon of the faithful Athelios, who was released December 11th, 2019. So he's about out just about a year now. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty new boy. He's very new. I was really excited to get into his lore because he's so new. Because I had no idea what it was. I was expecting a little bit more. He has a bio and a short story called You Are the Weapon. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I don't know why I was expecting him to have like a novella. And like, <laughs> I always expect new champions to have like a bunch of crap. I kind of expected that to be the, the exact same case, honestly. Um, I was a little underwhelmed. But maybe that was m- my fault for, you know, assuming. Yeah, they've got like a little less time, I think, to figure out how exactly they fit into the universe because I imagine they have some sort of idea of someone's overall place in the universe but then over time they can kind of pull on the threads and then start inserting them into other stories yeah that's true that's probably the better way to do it honestly you don't want to put out a bunch of plot lines and then you know half of them get retconned or just don't make sense anymore that's old riot style (laughs) Um, Aphelius was interesting to me because I feel like I actually didn't learn all that much from his bio because his gameplay is so intricate and I was really determined to learn how to play Aphelios that I feel like I learned his backstory just trying to figure out how to fucking play Aphelios. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, because I don't fucking know how to play him, so maybe you can can help enlighten me on some things. I'll be curious. Do you think... (laughs) Do you think it works the other way, where now that we know the lore, we'll be really good at Aphelios? <gasps> That's it! Alright, tonight we're all playing Aphelios. <laughs> Do you think he has more text in his lore or in his fucking abilities? Which one? <laughs> Honestly, I think there's more text in his abilities. Oh, man. It's funny. So there's also um, <laughs> there's a really short cinematic, like a little teaser, and I think the top comment on it was like, anyone who plays him is going to be easy to kill because they're going to be too busy reading all of the <laughs> text that comes with his abilities. It's true. It's so true. Yeah, really great. Um, now, Aphelios oh, right. is our first champion, I think, officially from Mount Targon. Yeah. It's a, a region that we've discussed previously, but we haven't actually had a champion from there. Yeah, first Lunari as well. Yeah, Lunari. That I hadn't really heard about that. I just assumed it had something to do with Diana. I still don't know. That's correct. <laughs> That's a good assumption, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll dig in a little bit on a few of these points before we jump into his lore, because I feel like a lot of those things are going to help explain some of the terms used in his lore. Now, Mount Targon itself is the highest peak in Runeterra. It's said to be almost impossible to scale, but if you do scale it, people um, generally are rewarded with power or knowledge or either way, they, if, if they do manage to scale it, they come back very changed, uh, often as the aspect of some celestial being. Now, primarily the people who live on Mount Targon are called the Rakor which translates to Tribes of the Last Sun. Now, the, they believe that many worlds have existed before this one, and all of those worlds fell to catastrophe 
but when this sun is destroyed, there are going to be no more worlds. So they are really trying to protect this last sun as well as they can um, and protect it from anyone being able to extinguish it. So are suns just being destroyed like real common in Runeterra? I guess up until I now. I, I feel like it'd be a real like, it'd be like a kind of a big deal here on Earth, you know, if the sun was destroyed. It's cataclysmic, one might say, you know. That's fair. There yeah. is an aspect. And, and as we know, aspects can die. So, I mean, maybe. That's interesting. That kind of casts the whole Lunari-Solari conflict in a different light. <laughs> from my perspective, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of the Lunari and the Solari, the Lunari worship the moon. They believe that the world needs a balance of the sun and moon to live and thus have been branded as heretics by the Solari, who exclusively worship the sun and believe that the moon just leeches power from it. Now, the Solari have essentially hunted down the Lunari to try and extinguish them altogether, and they've kind of been forgotten in modern day lore, at least they were until kind of Diana came around and... She's kind of been on a crusade to restore the Lunari, and she's the aspect of the moon. The Solari, they're specifically Rakor who devote their entire lives to worshiping the sun. Um, so the reason they're kind of hunting the Lunari is they think that the moon leeching from the sun is going to cause the sun to go out, thus heralding in the final death of the ages, yada, 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 yada. The elite warriors of Solari are called the Raharak, um, and among them kind of Leona is the aspect of the sun, kind of as the foil to Diana. All right, so that's that's the basic basic background of Rakor, Targon, Lunari, Solari. Yeah. So who are the baddies? Much like Demacia and, and <laughs> Noxus, there aren't really baddies as much as... I need everything in black and white, Riot. I mean... Every side <laughs> believes that they're doing things that are righteous. I kind of think this is... I, I, I think there's a lot less nuance when it comes to this conflict, and I find it to be one of the more boring, like, large-scale organizational mm. conflicts in League. I think because there's so little about what the, the, the real details of the Lunari and the Solari faith. So... I don't know that they the, the Solari come off really like one note um, villains, you know. It's very hard to find instances of, you know, I don't know. It, it's it's it. They're just kind of sitting there with their I almost want to say mustache twirling, like oh, yes, we gotta purge the heretics. And, and the the Lunari are kind of in 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 the same way, only portrayed as victims of this persecution. And I don't know anything about really what they're all about. So I don't know. I think Nox is is a, is a way more interesting place i guess i would say yeah well i think a lot of the a lot of the solari stuff at least around like leona is is a lot about protecting the weak protecting those who aren't strong enough to protect themselves and i think in their eyes the lunari are a legitimate threat to not just the world but also kind of like their their righteous way of life which you know, obviously any sort of re religious zealot on any side will kind of come off as a villain because they're all very uncompromising. That's kind of the, by definition of being a zealot, if you believe something strong enough, 
you're gonna fuck shit up to protect it yeah i mean really i think that's evidenced in in Aphelios. so i guess should we should we dip a bit into his his bio because i think he's actually a good example sure. of kind of what you're talking about to be fair uh sure yeah so uh so Aphelios was born with a twin sister alun is that what we're saying on pronunciation not like alun or anything like that yeah, yeah. i think it's alun yeah Sounds right. They don't say it anywhere that I can find, but it's uh, also got kind of like a lunar type, yeah, <laughs> sound. Right, to it. that's what I kind of assumed. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So they're both born in Targon to the Lunari. So they were raised obviously under persecution from the Solari. They were both born during a lunar convergence, which is where the spirit uh, world moon eclipses the physical moon. And so when they were born, obviously the Lunari held them up as uh, I think they call them children of destiny or something like that. Really a big deal, I suppose. But. uh but yeah, so they both get raised up in the faith. Aphelios gets raised as a warrior, and Alun gets raised as a seer. And eventually, Alun has to go off to go do seer duties. She's got she's got important moon duties to go take care of. Um, and when it happens, Aphelios it says his faith wavers, and he's he seems to get kind of lost emotionally. I guess we could say, and he's like directionless, quarter life crisis. Uh, but yeah, so he he under he undergoes a ceremony to to find purpose. So he like he goes like does a Burning Man thing. I don't know, um, but he stumbles the the moon's light. It says guides him to a pool of noctum flowers, which are very poisonous. And when he drinks the poison, he is opened to the night's power. And he's also it says numbed to, to everything else. And apparently, it hurts super fucking bad. That's the other thing is like the pain is so great that you can't do anything. Apparently, but be open to the moon's power. Um, so right around when this happens, the the legendary temple called Maris Omegnum. Does that sound right from that temple name? Uh, yes, Mar- Maris Omegnum, I think, is is right. Yeah, so this legendary powerful temple is phasing back into reality from the spirit world after at least a couple centuries. Um, and the Lunari see this as the celestial heavens, whatever, kind of shifting towards them in their favor, like the tides are kind of turning. And so they select Alun. It's it's, it's not clear it says she's going to occupy the temple. Like, is she a battery... <laughs> Like a pilot, like how does it? I think the way it works is that the temple only allows every time that it comes back into existence in the physical realm, it only allows one person inside, and it kind of chooses someone yeah. who's worthy of being there. Um, and I think actually, like, I don't necessarily think it usually phases right back out of existence and into the spirit realm. I think that was something that Alun made it do to protect it from the Solari. But I'm jumping yeah, ahead. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> I was going to say, spoiler. It's fine. We're about to get to it. Um, but so she's she is selected. It's not... It, I find it to be a little vague, but she's selected to go <laughs> occupy it, whatever that means. And Aphelios requests to be there. She's chosen. She's a chosen one. Some, you know, she's born of you know, children of destiny or whatever. And Aphelios is there at the ritual. And while they're doing it, the fucking Solari show up. So, of course, the Solari start... They start raining down on the, the Lunari, and they seem to get the better hand they don't kill Aphelios they say he's beaten and that his weapons are destroyed and he's bleeding from the mouth so it's not clear if he was on the verge of death or dying but they've certainly lost the day but Alun goes to the heart of the temple and when she gets there similar to how uh, Aphelios got open to the knight's power when he took the Noctum she's open to the knight's power and all of a sudden they can feel this essentially this connection between the two they level up as twins right <laughs> they get that the, the true spirit link and he can start hearing her voice and he can sense her presence and she pushes this weapon into his hand and he just fucking kills all the rest of the Solari. He just, yeah. 
Um, they, but they, it, it's very much like they both unlocked their, their true potential as this sort of set of moon twins. I don't know. Whatever you want to call them. Yeah, right? a, a, a loon just had to go to a temple, and Aphelios has to constantly drink poison. <laughs> constantly drink But she's got to be alone in the temple. I guess that's, that's true. true. Gosh, we can talk about that in a fucking second. Um, but so as a result of that, like you said, yeah, a loon uh, bops the spirit temple or the, the temple back to the spirit world so it's safe from attack and she resides there relatively solitary i guess yumi shows up apparently according really? to her quotes yeah was yeah it's which again we'll talk about in a second oh. uh, but so while she's doing that aphelios acts as an assassin and the specifically the poison that's in him acts as a focus for her powers on the the physical plane we'll say and so that's how he manifests all those weapons and yeah. That's what they're up to. I apparently. guess it's the way that she can connect with him. It, it, it is like a true bio. It's very vague in a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a bummer. Like, they're like, oh, she can only reach out to him through a focus. Like the poison. Are there no other focuses? Yeah, I, like... Any other focus. Maybe Come their on. shared bloodline. <laughs> like, just anything. Those moon blades, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, who knows, right? Um, I mean, obviously, it's just there so that he's having... It's there as a narrative device, right? It's a little overt, I guess I would say. You it's know? there to make That's him a mute on it. so that she can speak through his mouth, basically, in-game. So is he a mute 24-7? Is it only when he's under the effect of the poison? I found conflicting reports on this. I thought it was only when he was under the effects of the poison. I would assume so. That would seem to be the case. But on his little blurb on the universe page, it just says he's a mute. It just like says it just outright as if that's the, the case constantly. So I don't I don't know. But Oh. That's a very specific thing, a mute. So I don't know. Yeah. Plus those hmm. those blurbs are kind of they're very high level and I <laughs> I would trust something that's more specific to one of these stories more than that in general. So How did we yeah. feel about his bio? I felt it it had very um fan fiction vibes to me just like the 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 psychic bond with somebody is a huge fan fiction trope and then the like the angst of needing like the poison <laughs> and this twin separation thing i am but a vessel <laughs> is exactly yeah. it yeah i, I, I will say agree. like i having not known much about his lore but knowing like the basic gist of like yeah these weapons are essentially i guess his his sister i thought that his sister was dead so i was happy to find out that she's not technically dead that was a nice change of pace yeah <laughs> for, for story i mean she is just, in the spirit she's just world. practically dead she's just in all <laughs> for all purposes dead except she's there something you know yeah she can come back out whenever she wants maybe who knows how that temple Maybe. works? <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I, 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 this reminds me a lot of the the situation with Aatrox, a, a lot of edge between them, which I think might be an issue. I, I kind of like Aphelios a, a bit more, but he does teeter. He teeters very heavy on falling into the very bad edge category of Aatrox, and yeah, I don't know why he's not there. There's something about him that keep for me keeps him from falling off entirely. But man, he's a Thin fucking thread, I, I think say. his relationship with the loon makes him a little bit more interesting, and I would I find that interesting. Their kind of 
borderline toxic codependent relationship that they have. Wow, literally toxic. I uh, quite literally toxic, <laughs> I suppose. Um, it's a metaphor, man. Come on. <laughs> so I, I find that to be the most interesting part of both of them. I mostly just like. I think because I don't have a heart in the battle between the Solari and the Lunari, I have a hard time, like, getting invested in what they're fighting for because I still don't get it. Like, what do you mean the moon's sapping power from the sun? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, our, we yeah. believed that in this world for a while, I'm sure. So, like, you it's, know, maybe it doesn't make sense would, scientifically, <laughs> but they're also, like, priests living on a mountain. They don't... <laughs> This yeah, isn't pilt I, over. I completely agree with you, Rebecca. I, I'm totally divested from this conflict. And I I was really hoping because he would be so new because, God, Diana was is pretty old at this point. And I know she's got a big... I feel like she's got a strong following. I think, I think people are really invested in Diana and Leona for being mm. such... You know, it's a very specific little conflict between the two. There's not a lot of... It's not like Demacia and... Noxus, where they've got multiple champions who fit in different spaces. I think people just there's something about those two that people really like. Um, I was really hoping to get more about the Lunari here, and there's not, so I don't care. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, I get I it. Know. I, I get it. There were a few interesting bits that I think were either alluded to or kind of talked about in, in not a whole lot of detail. And in, in regards to how the Lunari stay hidden, too, I think that's kind of a an interesting interesting connection to you know you mentioned Aatrox like the it, it seems kind of weird that the Lunari who are super outnumbered by the Solari managed to just kind of stay in as they say like the shadows of Mount Targon and then not be hunted especially given that there are huge amounts of Solari specifically dedicated to hunting them <laughs> but it's kind of thought that the kind of in the shade might be a reference to them actually using the moon's power to kind of veil themselves kind of like a temporary shift to the spirit zone to keep themselves safe from the solari um which is kind of how uh the darken were essentially trapped in their weapons in the first mm. place was kind of by using the power of the moon to pull them into the spirit realm to make them easier to trap within their weapon vessels hmm. now that's interesting i feel I feel like I wish maybe this is something that we'll just get to when we hit more Targonian champions, but I could definitely see that being an interesting way of connecting the current kind of warped per, like persecution of the Lunari from maybe a some sort of historical founding where at some point the power of the moon getting associated with the dark end and all that shit. You could see how people might twist it over you know eons, right? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Uh, should we talk about this, the story then, I guess, yeah. as well? I feel like that's also kind of gives us some other things to talk about with it. Yeah, it's pretty short. It's called You Are the Weapon. It's by David Slagle. Yeah, so it opens on Aphelios doing his, his uh, like, tai, not Tai Chi. That's uh, I was going to say kata, practicing his kata. Um, mm -hmm. He's playing with his, his sword, as it were, <laughs> his moon sword. He's I knew we'd get play. there eventually. <laughs> Let's not make it too deep. Um, he was playing with a sword. <laughs> He was playing with his sword uh, and kind of quasi-meditating and angsting a little bit. And as he's doing that, he... So during this story, we have brief instances of Alun speaking to Aphelios that are separate from the main text. And they are per they are written in the second pers person. Um, so we can just... That's the first instance of that happens. And he gets a vision of a 
an outlander that he doesn't recognize. And as soon as that happens, the moon's light guides him to the Noctum Poison, which is it's like a bat signal <laughs> in the way that it's kind of described. It's like, oh, That's the moon's shitty. light is guiding him. <laughs> Throw Time up the to Aphelia poison signal. yourself. Yeah, right. The moon's light guides yeah. you to the poison. <laughs> chop, chop. Yeah. Um, so he, he downs it and is consumed, racked with pain, uh, but also kind of establishes his connection with Alune, and she manifests his Gravitum gun in his hand, and he starts using it. And what, probably the, the, the coolest little bit of the entire thing, where he's using it to pull in um, like floating rock islands and yeah. pulling them towards him and hop-skip-jumping up them, as it were, <laughs> uh, which is a nice creative use of that gun. Yeah. He, he eventually gets to wherever it is that he's being led to, and he sees a group of Solaria warriors... Um, these guys also sounded cool. They're called Burning Ones, and they are, they're decked out like the Solari normally are. They're gold and, and spears and shit, but their faces are uh, masked by fire, it says. They're actually in his splash, his his default splash. You can uh, see them, oh, and they're pretty neat. cool. I gotta look it up. Yeah. Yeah, now we're going to look up his um, splash now. <laughs> but they have, uh, they have surrounded the Outlander that he was shown. So he dives into them, just tears them up. It's not really any sort of issue for him um the the whole action sequence there is pretty short and i was a little disappointed um he uses a couple of the guns not all of them and then he sees that the outlander has a curved scimitar uh spoiler that's diana's weapon i um, thought so and, I, I, is the felios not on okay no no finish the story sorry <laughs> sure sure yeah no this is definitely this is a, a big reveal at the very end um now this is actually i do need to ask also he sees this and then Something happens and he kills the Outlander, but he seems to not want to. I'm not clear why he killed him and what Me compelled either. him to kill him. It seems like Alun Alun says very specifically, "You, you have to, you, you know, you need to kill him. You like, you know why, right?" She seems to be kind of saying, "You need, to, you know, you need to do this, even though you don't want to." Um, and he does, and they have the the scimitar afterwards, and they. He says he doesn't outright say it's Diana, but they say it's hers and that she's running and that they and a loon again specifically says we need to find her. Um, so it ends with them seemingly potentially searching for or hunting for or chasing yeah. after. The context is not really clear, um, but in the trail of Diana. So that's that's really what goes on in that. It's a pretty short story, um, but a few big things pop up at the end there. I guess we'll say. Yeah, I was just mostly confused because I had assumed Ophelios and Diana would be on the same side. I think they are. I think there's yeah. kind of, um, there are several champions right now that are essentially searching for Diana. Diana, I think over the course of a few of the stories, is is on a mission of her own, mm. and no one kind of knows what that mission is or why. Or she's on the run. I think, I think she did a few a few murders so maybe that could be why she's on the run or she could have her own you know mission but i know that leona's looking for her uh nami's looking for her the felios is looking for her everyone's out, out kind of looking for a diana i think last we heard she's on her way to ionia or something like that hmm. great yeah whenever diana's not on the screen every character should be asking where's diana <laughs> where in the world is diana <laughs> it's hard to tell. Um, it's really hard to tell, and I think a big question that I have that affects the context, like how you see this this ending, is is how how toxic and how manipulative do we think the relationship is when it comes to uh, Alun and Aphelios? You know, you had said codependent, but I would say drop the co. It's just yeah. dependent. 
like she seems entirely fine, but as soon as she's gone, Aphelios falls apart. Um, and she seems to, given this, and did y'all listen to the login theme, by the oh. way? I guess I want to ask because that's lyric. I had before. Um, it's one of the few lyric oh, logins. God, they, they love lyricing their Lunari logins, huh? <laughs> I was going to say, Diana, the first one. And then, of course, I think they said, yeah, we've got to do it. Um, there's not much there. There is a single line where she says, because it's all her singing, mm. right? And what is it she says? Oh, um, uh, soon you'll be set truly free from all those chains you bear. Which to me seems like saying, oh, you're going to die from this poison soon. And, and then you'll be kind of free of your burden. Um, everything that I've seen from Alun seems to su- depict her as someone who's much more in the know with what's actually going on and is just kind of using Aphelios, even if she doesn't want to. Like, she cares for him, but at the end of the day, he's a tool. He's a weapon, mm. right? Mm. So. Literally called one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's kind of like the Doctor Strange, kind of seeing everything from all mm. the ankles and not really giving the answers. Just All the ankles? <laughs> <laughs> like, she's really short and just looking at everybody's ankles. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is interesting. I would like to just know more about the relationship at all so we could kind of pinpoint, um, you know, who's reliant on who here, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess bringing it back to this, this story and the ending with Diana, I, I have, it's hard to tell where Diana sits, at least from my perspective, when it comes to the Lunari, because I, I, I can see where they could go with the Lunari, because one thing we know is that they're coming back into power, right, is what we've been told from... That's the big other thing I think we learned from these... The bio, specifically, is that the the, the tides are shifting, and the Lunari are going to be probably the ones in power soon, right? Or or at some point in the future, the, the, the heavens are changing. Does yeah. that sound right? Mm-hmm. Mm. So, I don't know. I think it gives the Lunari a lot of opportunity to end up being just as I mean being just as bad as a Solari and I think looking at just what Aphelios is and how they they leverage him is already something that a lot of people would take umbrage with right you've got a kid who's been you know raised up to do this stuff to himself um you know killing people when he seems to very clearly in the story have uh not want to for lack of a better you know so I, I don't know yeah. um I think some of the the kind of relationship between Diana and the moon too through some of Aphelios's voice lines is is kind of interesting too like I think there are a couple lines that have to do with Diana one where like a loon mentions that Diana knows the name of the moon um, kind of implies that like the moon itself may be you know not just like a, a magical moon but like might actually be like a godlike entity uh, which also, another one of her lines is the the moon was with us in darkness, but it is not there for us. Kind of like speaking to a potential sentience and higher power of the moon that's there, but you know, maybe not necessarily on their side, but uh, exists and grants them power. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because with with Targon, you've got. Uh, aspects and celestials. I don't know if they're the same thing exactly, um, but they're they seem to be some sort of entity or or intelligence that exists in that space and you know kind of possesses people in a way. And, and Diana being an aspect of the moon would seem to you know seem to kind of carry with it that she is that again yeah she's been imbued with that intelligence whatever it is. Same with the sun when it comes to Leona I guess. 
real quick, uh, can anyone name all of, Ophel- of Ophelios' gun? I named one, and there were two more in the we story. I can't do it. I certainly can't do I it. I can't, and is, I've... Is Crescendum one of them? Crescendum is one of them. That's the uh, lifesteal gun, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't the think long range so. one. Maybe it's right? not. Yeah, the see, I have my own. I, names say, I can for describe them. them. Yeah, I can. I can describe <laughs> most of them. There's, yeah. What do you there's, call there's them? flamethrower gun. Yeah, the blue one. I, I call okay. Gun, so yeah. I call the purple one the stun gun. That's gravitome one. And then he's got his Caitlin gun, yep. which is the long range one. I just call it the Caitlin gun. <laughs> um, and Solid. then he has the turret gun, which is the chakram. Yeah. One. Yeah. Solid. Uh, and then the life steely gun, which I think I just call the life steely gun. <laughs> and then flamethrower. And then right? I call that I call that one the splash gun, not the flamethrower. I do understand that it's a flamethrower, but mm. I just call it the splash the gun. Splashy splash. It doesn't read as a flamethrower. It reads like a big water yeah, gun. It's blue. What the? F- make it fucking red. If big it's super are you serious? Soaker. If it's fl- I, it took me forever I mean, to realize it's a flamethrower. Blue. I know. It's, it's really hot. But when you see something splashing out of a gun and it's blue, where are you thinking, ooh, that's fire? That's or do you real think- hot fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think when people spray me with actual water guns, too. Like, ah, it's real hot. Oh, no, this is just water. We're good. We're good. But there's that moment of panic. <laughs> All right. I'm going to look up his guns. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I know Crescendum, Gravitum. Yeah, Severum, Severum's the the, the Severum's lifesteal gun. The lifesteal one. Uh, Calibrum mm-hmm. is the the Caitlin gun. Calibrum. Fuck. And Infernum is the splash gun. And Severum. We should have been able to guess that. <laughs> That's a pretty easy one. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I certainly don't remember him. I was curious. I I thought you might be able to do. do I don't it. know his real. I, yeah, I don't know the names. Go. It's like like any champion I play. I don't know the names of their abilities generally either. Yeah, Not like that's the real fair. ones. Especially, yeah. I think a lot of Aphelios players too. They just memorize the colors. Yeah, I just know they're the like, colors. oh yeah, we just that's gotta fair. we gotta have blue and blue and white on standby. Yeah, because you can't the assume the OP combo mm-hmm. is. I don't play for Yeah, your your whole team's not gonna necessarily <laughs> remember them, but they'll know the colors. <laughs> what you're not gonna type out in chat? Don't worry, I got gravitum in three or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone be like, what the fuck? What do you mean? That may be the only one they know. This fucking actually, guy. quit RPing Aphelios. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so for the story that that Outlander barbarian um, that gets killed, it's said he's decked in crimson and iron. So is he a Noxian? This would be there something they'd probably dress up in, red and iron. That's Maybe kind of their I was really. I, I mean, I was excited to learn that that was to do with Diane at the end, and I was proud that I understood that. But I just felt so confused <laughs> by like who is this fucker and why are we killing him? I just didn't understand, and I don't know who he is. And why is he here? Why it's, is he it's, here? Like, Mount Targon is pretty remote. Like, you're not going to accidentally find your way to Mount Targon. Like, if you go there and you happen to have Diana's, you know, scepter, like, you were probably there for that. But you didn't just stumble across it. Like, what does someone from Noxus want with the scepter? What does anyone want with the scepter, really? <laughs> it's been too long since I've read Diana's yeah. lore. I don't know what specific powers her scepter has. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I poked around in it a bit to see if I could get anything that would deal with Aphelios, or at least the Lunari, um, and I didn't find much. You are right that she did commit some murders <laughs> on her way out, in sort of an accidental kind oh, of you way. Know, some oopsie you know. murders. Some uh-oh murders. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, all it, murders. Oopsie deadsies. <laughs> Oops, all murder. <laughs> oh, man, you picked me up. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it paints her, in my mind, as someone who might be fleeing both the Solari and the Lunari. Because um, she's always... Diana's whole thing, even th- in the new lore, has always seemed to be about there uh, need to be a balance. And if you saw the Lunari on the come up, and maybe they decided, fuck balance, man. We are going to take... We're going to take our fucking share. Mm. Right? All of a sudden, now Diana, aspect of the moon, who's tell- who's preaching the opposite, suddenly becomes a, a heretic in both camps, right? You know? And, I don't know. It's... I, I can see it. Maybe Ophelios, and then you know, Ophelios gets forced to hunt someone down, and, and I don't know. Could be interesting because yeah. you know the people who haven't who've spent the last like few generations being hunted aren't going to be like, all right, yeah, we'll go fifty fifties then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a lot of potential for that. I will say, talking about that, and I know this is not that much related to Ophelios, but I, it makes me a little disappointed that. Um, it makes me a little disappointed that Leona is the aspect of the sun. I think, I think there being a power disparity there with Diana being an aspect and her just being like a paladin, like a, a you know mage warrior of the Solari would be a nice way of echoing, right? Echoing mm. this this transition and, and imbalance of power. Um, but I guess it's fine. They can just be a yet again another pair who's just <laughs> hate each other in league. League is all about pairs. I don't know what their deal is. It's true. It's so that they can yeah. sell those posters that have two champions on them back to back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This shit sells, man. Yeah. Yeah, so I think Aphelios falls under the category that we keep having of there's so much potential there and we just aren't been given enough. But it's still yeah. only been a year. Uh, yeah, there's definitely I'm not disappointed yet by Aphelios. There's still a lot of opportunity <laughs> there. It hasn't it has. They haven't passed the time threshold of like Aatrox. Yeah, where they've clearly <laughs> given up. <laughs> <laughs> that hope will be there for another year and a half. Oh man, <laughs> I was just gonna say you got to think about it on a big. It's almost like a cosmic scale when it comes to league lore. It's like a year is nothing. Who's That's that, true. Like, I mean, nothing is a baby. Yeah, uh, I think Aphelios really lends himself to skins, and he only has one crappy one that I don't understand. So what uh what league or typical skin do you think would be good with Aphelios? I kind of like the school one. I feel like he would fit <laughs> Aphelios and Alune would have fit into that like uh the school lore that they have. I could see that. Yeah. Hmm. Male K-pop. Oh Man. my god, he does look Aww. like a K-pop star. He does. Him, you throw Chesriel in there, who else? Who else would be in that? That's the um, real. We oh, need to put set, that together. Set, I could see. Oh, set. He'd be the strong, bad boy. silent yeah. bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, we're making our own K-pop. Yeah. Group. You're welcome. We'll Riot. put this together. We'll pitch it to Riot. So, yeah. set, Ezreal, Aphelios. We need one more. Uh, maybe there's certain Vlad skins that I, I was could thinking. See. Vlad, actually, that's really mm. funny. Yeah, Vlad's a good. Vlad's a great pick. Yeah. I think he's. I don't know. I don't know enough about the Echo. The genre. Mm, I could see that. Can it, is it going to be like how uh, how Ari did her own side <gasps> yeah, project true. or whatever? Or a call, I don't remember It'll who it was. The giant it was universe Ari. just kind of split off. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or a Kali split off. Did they do giants? Everyone's in at least. Oh. Everyone has at least like somebody who's between two two groups. <laughs> I love it. That's a great pick. Yeah, that really rounds it out. Frankly, now there are a few other. Uh, 
kind of interesting voice lines that Ophelios has too. And and if you haven't played Ophelios, yeah, I was gonna say all of his voice lines are actually just a loon speaking. Oh, you wrote them down. Okay. Just to, well, I didn't write all the quotes down necessarily, just like who they were from and kind of what they were oh, okay. alluding to. Okay, interesting. Because I was actually trying to look up a soundboard because mm. I wanted to, I really want to listen to her now because I do feel like Alune is maybe borderline really manipulative. And now that we've kind of talked about that, I'd like to hear, because she's very much like, I'll always be here for you, Ophelios, just like constantly reassuring him. <laughs> he's poisoning himself. Alun depths based on the voice lines that I listened to, like we were talking about, Alun does not seem like one of those 50-50 <laughs> types of people. She definitely seems like she's a the time of the moon's power is now mm. <laughs> type person. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with that. I do think that she is depicted in a way more... Um, like you said, kind of caring, Rebecca. She's a little bit more bright and bubbly in a way that I don't think matches the lore or the the intro song. I think the intro song is way more dark and ominous. And then in the the in the quote, she's sitting there talking about, "Oh, when Yumi comes to visit me, oh, and I I, I miss the sound of rain." It's like, girl, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Check yourself a little, shit. But then she also says, "The Solari call us heretics." But when the darkness comes, they will need our light. Which is also kind of hinting at another darkness that's on its way, which oh. I feel like is hinted at with almost all of the champions we've mm. <laughs> we've read about the lore so far. But Kill the sun. Well, you know, it's interesting that we, in our Anivia discussion, I think I called the Watchers the final boss of Runeterra, but I think Aurelian Soul and his dragon friends uh, could also be a contender for that. Ooh. Um, which I did not really realize till playing. I was, I've been playing. I played a bunch of uh, Runeterra because they have Sol- Lunari and Solari cards to see if I could find anything out. That's why you've been playing it. <laughs> uh, well, it's also fun. I, I, I did enjoy getting back into it. But um, there is a Lunari card where it creates uh, it creates a flower that you can use for some shit. But it it's not Noctum. It's a different thing um, called Dusk Petal. But it does seem like the cultivation and use of flora for various magical things and Lunari is a an actual tradition that they've kind of echoed mm. in that and uh that and yeah and there's the the other big thing with Targon is they've got all these celestial dragon cards and they're big fucking big cost bombs and I don't know it seems like maybe the dragons could be a potential large scale threat at some point because yeah, the Rallying so. Soul's already just super pissed off at all the aspects so he's got a yeah. bone to pick talk about somebody who's gonna blow up the sun shit uh, so one of the other lines that was kind of interesting was one about Soraka. Oh God, I I didn't write down the specific line, but it was something about um, Soraka knows our pain, and she wants to. God, she wants to end it and sever our connection, or something like that. Um, oh, that's interesting. She want or she wants us. She knows our pain, but she wants us to deny it, right? Yes, tells us not to feel it, to deny, to deny ourselves. Yeah. Specifically. So that was interesting because, I mean, just super, super high level, I guess just Soraka wants to end all pain on Runeterra. That's, I guess, just kind of her thing. Cool. But in cool. theory, cool. if that happens, yeah, that is 
that is the one connection that Aphelios has to Elune. So if she actually succeeds in ending pain, then Elune no longer has any way to reach out to Aphelios. Yeah, it 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 sets them in. It's an interesting. See, that's an interesting conflict to to set right um, to to put in motion. And I would I find that much more intriguing, just that premise, than um, a lot of the other conflicts that we've kind of you know highlighted here. It's an interesting one. I didn't think about. You know what I liked from his his quotes is that there are a number of them that are just Aphelios hyperventilates. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's how they're written in the fucking in the wiki. There are a lot of his. A lot of the times he's just breathing heavily, and it is written as Aphelios hyperventilate. <laughs> oh, I'm seeing it now. Okay, I'm looking at it too. Someone needs to get him a brown paper bag. <laughs> That'd be good skin. <laughs> the uh, every Social time he responds, like on the on the fountain, he also downs some of that poison, which is an interesting thing that I had never noticed before. Oh. Before actually reading the lore. I did not know that. Now I gotta see that. Now yes. I gotta watch. We gotta go play Arium and someone's gotta die a bunch of belly so we can all see it. Yeah, he, he chugs the poison and then That's smashes dope. the bottle on the ground. Shit, Felios, calm down, bro. It's not a beer. He just crushes the Shotguns empty it. glass bottle on his forehead. I can't feel it anyway. Oh, they should do it like a Broloff skin. They oh, should bring oh, that damn. shit back and he's smashing beer. Yo, that's so dark. Brofelios. <laughs> Brofelios. <laughs> oh my All right, God. fuck the KDA skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck it, scrap it. Throw it in the garbage. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Uh, you know... I will say the other thing mm. I want to talk a little bit one more one other thing about that story um, is I was a little disappointed in it as an action piece because I feel like they didn't use what what I find really cool about Aphelios is the fact that he can manifest the weapons not all the different things the guns do that's whatever but the fact that he can he can just have them and just kind of use them interchangeably now think about the fact that you know that means he can bring weapons into like secured areas where they're like completely scot free you know it's I would love to see him try and assassinate like a, uh, a high, some high Solari guy in the middle of a temple in broad daylight in public, and have to see him use all those guns and pull them out of thin air to get out. I don't know something that really used that part of it more. Yeah, it was definitely really interesting to read. I I normally don't always love uh, reading fight scenes, just kind of depending. But I did find myself wanting that to be a little bit more detailed, a little bit longer. Because I do remember a line um, where he you know, gets rid of one weapon and he puts his hand out knowing that another one's going to be there. And Aloon puts it there just knowing that he's going to put his hand out. And I find that very cool that they're so connected that, yeah. So it was that was a very good visual um, in that part of the fight scene and it was very cinematic and I liked that a lot. But it was too short and then it was just over. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved either a... Yeah. I know cinematic is probably too much to ask for, but like a little illustration would have been pretty cool even. You know, yeah little single page thing um give me one of those those riot animation workshop things where it's super rough but <laughs> still super cool oh that'd be great i'd love it right right yeah. if you're listening thunderdome animators i got <laughs> just get, just animate this scene or another story because... all these things do all these things that we're suggesting do all of it <laughs> i'd like to explore a, a thank you a longer story with the two of them i think that'd be interesting um, there, oh, yeah. there is a, a small teaser cinematic that we kind of talked about a little bit. There's not really much there. I think it's less than a minute. Um, and it was when he was, I guess, getting released, I think. 
Yeah, where he's just like pulling out the weapons. Yeah. There we see him doing that Noctum as well. And, you know, again, hitting, doing that Noctum day and night, man. <laughs> Playing with his gun. <laughs> Playing with his guns. <laughs> and he's got quite the collection, I will say. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, in terms of what I might like to see, would be something about them before, uh, like when they were kids, something when mm. they were younger, something would help define why this relationship is so impactful to Ophelius, because it's like, what's going on with their parents? You know, that's a, are they, I assume they're Lunari, maybe they're dead, maybe they're, who knows, right? Yeah, I really want something from Alun's point of view as well, yeah. to know if she is just as dependent on Ophelios that he is to her, you know what I mean? Like, did she want to leave him mm-hmm. when she had to go, or was that just as hard for her as it was for him? Because Ophelios kind of fell apart when they separated for the first time, which I understand they've been together probably every minute <laughs> since they've been born. Since before, so yeah, yeah, for sure. Interested. It would it would help answer some of these questions we have as to how should we should we like as to whether or not we should be despising her or or not. You know, how much yeah. of a victim is she relative to how much of a victim Aphelios is? You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's Aphelios. I think I'm good. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, how do I do this? <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Uh, John and I have another podcast that we do together called A Series of Unfortunate Sequels, where we watch the highest rated movie and the lowest rated movie in a franchise and chat about them. Uh, we just took a slight break for Christmas and we'll get back to it with something. Um, but join us next week when we get to talk about the Frost Archer, Ash. Bird. Cool. Bird. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>